Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ join me every Thursday as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. It's a very, very special day to talk DC movies and apologetics because I have Trent Horn on, who is an adjunct professor of apologetics at Holy Apostles College, an author of many books, which I myself own, like Why We're Catholic, Persuasive Pro-Life, Hard Sayings, Can a Catholic Be a Socialist? Just to name a few that I own. He holds a master's degree in theology, philosophy, bioethics, host of the Council of Trent podcast and YouTube channel, staff apologist for Catholic Answers, speaker, very prolific debater. It is truly, truly an honor to have you on Faith, Reason, and Geekdom, Trent Horn. Thank you for having me. And you really, really helped me in my reversion. You know, I'm 35. I don't know that I'm a thing. I'm going to be 36 in like a month, less than a month. All right. But yeah. I reverted when I was about 29 years old. And Praise be to God. Yeah, yeah. Praise, glory to God. You, uh, Michael Gormley, Matt Frad are some of the first people I ran into. And I started reading your books. And I started mm -hmm. getting into philosophy. I started listening to your debates. I'm just a huge, huge fan of you. Top five for sure. Uh, we love the animation movie from DC. And yes. I found out, yeah, that you're a big DC guy. I love Marvel too. Like I, I love the Marvel movies. Like overall, yeah, I'm a DC guy. Like when it comes yeah. to the comic books, when it comes to the animation, and I am so humbled to have you on here. Could you tell us just again, add if you can, just a little bit about yourself as well? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm an apologist, Catholic Answers, married, have three children. I live in the Dallas area. Uh, you know, I, I've written nine books. And I really love sharing the faith with people. And I love equipping other people to do the same. Yes. And I think you're one of the best. You've debated people like Dan Barker, Alex O'Connor, James White, David Bonin. Like these guys are some of like the top in the field. You're not just like some guy random off the street, you know, like, hey, you, you want to debate? You know, it's nothing like that. And what you're doing, I think it's it's needed in the church. Like, definitely. I just you're you're a gift to the church as well i don't want to pump your head up but you are truly a gift and i hope you keep doing what you're doing with all the interviews that you have all the different ways you're helping people but again like i said trent horn and i are gonna get into the redefinition of marriage in our yeah. country debate that's been going on how do we defend it in conversations we're gonna get into that but first let us do our top five favorite live action DC comic book movies. Now, I had a hard time with this list a little bit. Like the first few, I was like, oh man, which ones? And then I was like, no, you know what? I actually got it down. So I'm pretty convinced. Maybe, I don't know, in an hour, I'll change my mind. So we'll yeah. see how it is. But Trent, uh, how did you get into the love of DC and, and movies and comic books? How, how did that happen? Well, I remember when I was a kid, so I would have been... I was probably seven or eight years old when I saw, probably seven, when I saw uh, the Tim Burton Batman. Mm. Now that it came out, that movie came out in 1989. So I was about four. So I didn't end up watching it probably till a few years after it came out. Yeah. I remember it was at a friend's house. And it was around the same time, also, I guess, probably Batman Returns came out, mm. which are not 
really kid-friendly films but i just thought batman was awesome so i was like six or seven it's like my seven-year-old now is really into comic books mm -hmm. so i might even been five but i was around that age there was a comic book store down the street from my home i could walk down the hill and go buy comic books for like 25 cents each and uh yeah and i just really enjoyed the kind of the larger than life cosmic drama of the dc universe you have some of that in marvel of course but uh, i just really enjoyed the the dc characters and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah, that's what I think I like. I like about it too. It's like the fancifulness, the way it's fantasy, right? The sci-fi, the superhero, and there's like elements too of our faith in there. Like you yeah. see the Christ figures, you see the good versus evil, yeah. and that's what really caught me. And we're similar to similar ages, you know. Like I didn't yeah. see eighty; I was too little, right? You know, I'm thirty five right now, so I, I didn't see it. But later on, I did. You know, I I was grew up on action movies and Van Damme right. movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the '80s and '70s, Planet of the Apes, all that. Very big yes. into pop culture. That's our era, you know. Like I, we didn't have smartphones yet. Like that wasn't big until after I graduated high school and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, it's it's so cool to 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 have something in common with you as well. When I found that out, like it was like wow, it's not just the apologetics it's not just debating and your books that i've been reading and your podcast and youtube channel i've been watching it's like it's more than that you're also like a big geek like me and I also love yeah. the weird too and so I like I, I think i did something on that hotel with the cecile hotel roanoke like i like that stuff too the weird aliens and stuff like that so it's just is there something about it like it seems like if you like this then you like that what do you yeah, I, like, I like i like mystery i like yeah. that reality is a lot more complicated than we think and probing the, the mysterious and the yes. unusual and critical thinking so yeah I, I enjoy all of that yeah so let's do our top five favorite right. live action yeah. movies I figure we'll do it like this. So you go first and give me your top, your, your fifth. So you're like, well, my number yeah. five is this. And then we'll kind of volley back and forth. I have a feeling we'll, we'll have a few, but actually some surprises that, Let's, that I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. We're, we're going to do, we're going to do this. I've done this before with a friend where we went back and forth. Okay. Same thing. If I have one on your listing, like, oh, that's lower on my higher ranking. Let me know. And we'll wait for that. So um, I'll start off with number five then. So yeah. my number five is, and again, this might surprise people. Some people are going to disagree. I don't know, but the dark Knight rises 2012. Uh, oh, 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 wow. Oof. Oh my goodness. This, um, <laughs> this, ch it changes the game. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my goodness. Um, okay. So okay. Yeah, go now right what we're going to do is I'm going to give my top five list. And then Trent, you give us your top five of, of DC live action movies. And we'll go from there. I know we're going to get into a lot of different things. I know my list might be different from your list. I know some people are going to like yell. They're going to be like in their car, like almost going to swerve. Like, how dare he put that before whatever? How dare oh, he do okay. that? We'll see. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. This opens up. Um, wow. Uh -huh. It opens up the door a lot. But I think oh, yeah. I can do this on the right here. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to start out with my number five. And it is the 2012 The Dark Knight Rises at number five. Now, Again, you hear like like Star Wars, a billion voices cry out to that. I know it's my top five. It, you were raised in the darkness. Yeah, You're I know. There's a lot of lines. Like, well, now uh, Bane be here to talk about all this. <laughs> you know, oh like God. you can't talk without about the Dark Knight Rises without giving some Bane, right? You can't yeah, you can't do that course. without doing the Bane voice. Yeah. Okay, so 
I, the reason why I like this is because like it, to me, this is about consequences. This is the third of the trilogy, right? Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, you have almost the whole cast returning. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is also added. You have a bunch of different people doing different roles. Stuff's going on after the what's been eight years. But this is about consequences from the previous films, the Harvey Dent right. stuff. It's about lies, right? All the lies that we tell, even if we think it's good. Chaos versus order. A longing for death. You have Bruce Wayne, who's just given up on life. He's given up. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Gordon is being like consumed with the lies that he that he had to hide with. His family's even destroyed. And there's a lot of nihilism, especially Bane. Bane is just this nihilistic figure. And you see it in the whole Gotham, just very nihilistic. And the story is like Bruce Wayne has to like learn how to die to himself. He has to choose life. And at the end, we see that. And it reminds me of, of the battle with the shadow. Like Carl Jung has this quote that he says, like, to, to confront a person with his shadow is to show him his own light. Right. And I think this story has a lot of philosophical uh, religious elements, but also too, like, did you like the movie just as a regular movie? Yeah, I, I liked Dark Knight Rises. It's always hard. The third movie in a trilogy, except for like with Toy Story, <laughs> it's very hard to stick the landing on a third movie when you have Batman Begins and you have Dark Knight, which I'm sure is going to come up for us as we get later on here in the discussion. Yeah. But I liked it is hard. I did like it. The themes that you mentioned, I appreciated that, but I still don't think it rise, rose to the level of, of, the, of the antagonist <laughs> that we had in the previous film. Uh -huh. And I just kept getting distracted a little bit, thinking like, does Bane's plan really work? Like, it is yeah. hard. These movies, you have to suspend disbelief, and it's uh -huh. kind of walking on a tightrope to um to do that. But I would probably, I would probably put that around in my in my six or seven. Now that I've gone. I've gone back through the list here. Most of the DCEU I, I have not enjoyed. So I would put Dark Knight Rises above nearly all of the, the DC uh, <laughs> yeah. EU content. So, all right. Well, I think, you know what? Okay, so that was your five. Yes. I've got my list reordered. Perfect. Now. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a shot here. Okay. Perfect. All perfect. right. So now I've I've so now Man of Steel got dropped down real far <laughs> because I did not enjoy Man of Steel very much at all. The, the take on Superman. Uh, but of, of all the DCEU films, I'm like, okay, I see where they're going with this. It's gotten knocked down. So my number five is going to be Shazam. Mm, I like that. So I like that. number it. five. And I like Shazam. Now I do have, I don't know if I should start with a nitpicky. Well, I, I liked it because, you know, it takes a character we're not as familiar with Shazam yeah. slash Captain Marvel, depending on the, when the character. <laughs> yeah, created. exactly. Full controversy with that. Uh, but I thought Zachary Levi does a good job uh playing the older shazam i mean it is a little weird it's like normally in the comics and in the animated films he has the same personality like in the movie it's weird his personality changes when he becomes shazam he's yeah. not like the same kid but it's it's so <laughs> fun it is a fun movie it has a mixture of almost like the movie big mixed with gremlins yeah mixed with older superman like it's got like stuff that's for kids and stuff that's not for kids yeah uh, it's a little predictable but overall it's fun and it's one that i'd be willing to watch again like all these five i'd be willing to watch again most of the dc live action i would not be willing to to watch multiple returns of <laughs> uh, so that's why i would put shazam that it, it is definitely it's it is a fun film but it's also got some hair raising moments to it and 
yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 a nice entry. Yeah, I know when I was sitting in the movie theater because all these movies I got to go to the the big screen. I like got to go big screen and watch them. And I was there with my kid, my little, you know, have a little like eight year old or four year old, and there I was like, well, that's gonna give them nightmares. That one that scene, the demon, totally the boardroom scene, the boardroom scene. I'm like, wow, we really crossed over from fun kid film here. I was like, well, kids. (laughs) Yeah, back in the '80s, movies for kids weren't entirely poltergeist. So I liked that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, poltergeist was like this was PG. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, I'm, I take it, you know, I know this isn't on our list, so I could kind of mention it real quick because yeah. this is, I guarantee it's not. But uh, so the little connection with the uh, Black Adam, did you see that one? The new one? You know, I, I did not. I've watched <laughs> enough to know what it's about, but it is hard now when I know a movie is not going to be great. I just don't see it because I don't have the time to watch it anymore. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I just don't have time. It has to be really good for me to go and spend an hour and a half and watch it. And I just knew it'd be kind of a dud. And it was a dud. Number four. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number four is, and again, this this is another one. My list controversial. The 2022, The Batman, starring Robert Bobby Patterson is what I call him. Bobby Pat. That's my nickname for him. I didn't see it, so I, I kept that lower on my list. It just seemed a bit too dark, and I've got kind of Batman fatigue. So, oh, okay. But that one's higher uh, on your list, right? Ranking? It would be higher. It would be like in the top. I'm sure okay. if I saw it, it'd be like in the top 10 for sure, but it didn't make my five. Okay. Also, just because I didn't see it. And it just seemed like overly dark. And it's hard for oh, me yeah. with all the Batman entries. Uh, others yep. are just going to... I do have two Batman films on my top five. So it'd be hard for oh, yeah. another one to break in there. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed... Yeah, it is dark. You talk about Shazam. But like, this is that, like, in the opening scene. It's very Zodiac serial killer. It's a phenomenal villain. Like, just the riddler i think i thought he did really good very creepy like it's they got away with a lot like i think this movie really pushed the envelope when we look back at film analysis it really pushed the envelope on like what you can get away with 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 rated r because i was like wow pg-13 and i liked about it because of course we see it in the animated series right we see it in the animation we see it in all the movies is well bruce wayne is not really him it's batman but i think this movie really did it better than even the Bale ones about that. Cause Bale was a lot of, uh, we saw his face a lot. He was a lot of Bruce Wayne, right? He was even played the billionaire he, part. He but... was, a, he was a good Bruce Wayne. Yes. He's just not a great Batman. <laughs> what are you talking about? Not a good... Where are the drugs going? Where are they going? <laughs> but he does do Bruce Wayne actually very well. I would say. I, and it was funny. I always laugh because there was one scene. Remember, I think I think actually it was in dark Knight rises. Um, where Selena Kyle takes off and then, but he said, he talks to himself in his Batman voice. He's like, that's what it feels like, but nobody's around. It's like, totally. that's kind of weird. <laughs> Remember that part? No, it's weird. Oh yeah. Someone's watching me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making a totally. case for my number five at all, but yeah, yeah. Um, the Batman, I like it because this really gets into he, the mask is him. He doesn't want to be outside of the mask. Like Robert Patterson it, he the mask is him and he hates it whenever he has to take it off he just loathes it and i think the movie you don't see him a lot as bruce wayne he's mainly in the i think i, I could be wrong but it's if they clocked it i he's probably the the batman that's been in the cow the longest you know like that's just my guess and yeah, it's also right. about yeah right it's also about justice because you have batman well vengeance right and then later on mm. but you had the riddler 
played beautifully yeah. by Paul Dano, who's an amazing actor. Paul Dano is like, right. wow, just phenomenal, creepy. But they both want the same thing. They both they're both seeking justice in a sense. And so ask you kind of like the theological, philosophical, like what is justice, right? Like justice is to render one which is due, right? Like right. it really goes into it. And I love that deep what is justice? Batman wants this way. And then the Riddler wants justice. He's like, yeah, I'm fighting corruption. I'm fighting all this. Stuff. So it's really good. And again, really, really dark. But uh, I understand. <laughs> I understand if you're like, oh, it's, it's too much Batman fatigue. So that was my number four. Uh, Trent Horn, what's your number four? My number four is going to be Wonder Woman. Mm. So okay. I'm going to put that right. there because I I really enjoyed this film. My wife was like, I bet it's your favorite film. You know, <laughs> yeah. My wife's funny when I, I watch it why. with her. She's like, my gosh, Gal Gadot is uh, distracting, is what my wife always says when <laughs> she watches it with me. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I liked it because it was a really cool, I love that it's a period piece. I love that it's a superhero yeah. film uh, set in World War I. Uh, it's far you from perfect. You don't get that a lot. You don't no, you don't get that a lot. And so I really like this is a good analog to Captain America, the first Avenger for Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think they do a good. And in fact, I think they do a better job of getting the period pieces right here in, in some respects. Um, so I, I liked that. I like the chemistry with her and Chris Pine. Uh, I, I think overall it has a nice arc and they do a good job. We're in a lot of the female led stories nowadays uh it's mary sue like the, the mm. female protagonist is too perfect yeah. and she's not relatable but wonder woman does have a flaw in this film and that is she's naive she's naive yeah, and overly optimistic true. where the film lands on its face is in the third act it becomes oh. another big cgi <laughs> battle it would have really if she had Funny. defeated Ares, but then the war continues uh-huh. but she vows to, to still you know, maybe she has to go away and then she'll come back for Justice League or something yeah. like that for her to see that evil is something in men's hearts, but it doesn't define who men are. Mm. Something like like maybe Chris Pine's sacrifice could have helped her to see, yes, there is evil in men's hearts, but it doesn't define who they are. And for her to have hope in them because of what he did, that would have stuck the landing better than just the big old fight at the end. But so she has a flaw. She's she is naive about human nature. When she begins and if she had painfully learned that lesson by the end it would have been a good arc but otherwise i thought the action set pieces were great i think she when she emerges from the trenches in no man's land and my oh. wife was even like i really like that you know she's fighting but she's not you know she looks pretty but she's not immodest <laughs> yeah. and like my wife liked it all and that she really puts herself out there for it um so yeah overall it's it's a good adventure piece and if i had been running the dc eu back in the day i would have led with wonder yeah. woman as like the first film i was led right uh, with wonder woman and it's a period piece and then and then returning to it all to it all later so that was my four yeah i remember in the movie theater as well as like me and my friend were laughing because we're like everything's cool it's like yeah yeah um cgi fight coming up and stuff like that and then you see like uh the way aries is and his he changes yeah and we're like Okay, fine. Put him back in the thing because when he was in his coat and like floating around, I was like, "Put him back in the monster thing." That looked better because I was like, "Oh, it looks horrible." And then he went yeah. back to like, "I'm just a guy in a coat and a must fly." I was like, "Put him back in the thing." I was like, "It's totally. bad, but it's not as bad as the other one." Yeah, no, yeah, Wonder yeah. Woman's great, and um, I'm guessing you didn't see Wonder Woman '84 then, right? Oh, I know exactly what happens don't, in the film. Didn't bother to. Um, <laughs> 
didn't bother to. No, no, uh, you're good. Yeah. Don't want, don't ruin it. Because if you see it, you're like, yeah. what was the point of Chris? Oh, well, yeah. No, that's a good. Well, my number three is again another controversial one. It's like I really, I've seen this movie so many times, and it's beautiful shot, like beautifully shot. And I think this is the reason why he was kind of given the mantle as like, okay, now you're gonna head the the DCEU, you know, the one the that's canon proper, Zack Snyder, the 2009's The Watchmen. And I've read the comic book, The Watchmen, yeah. you know, in the 80s. And so when I did not in the 80s, but the one that came out in the 80s. Yeah. And sure. I just I think it's one of the best adaptations ever, like almost mm-hmm. shot for shot. Almost. They tweaked. I like that. They actually tweaked the ending a little bit. I actually like the movie tweak. Oh, yeah. Because the, the original is what? Like the giant squid? Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I get it. Like, I enjoyed it, but like the tweak now. You have Doctor Manhattan again, another dark movie. It's like, man, all, yeah. all my movies are. It's very dark. It's like, yes, yeah, I, I just love Billy Billy Crudup as Doctor Manhattan. He was just yeah. so creepy and weird, and sometimes yeah, like yeah. that's how like I can get sometimes where I'm very dry, and it's very yeah. like my wife's like, well, what do you think about you know just some random household thing and i'm like well um i get all like philosophical i'm like well if you and then like almost like dr manhattan stop being dr manhattan yeah so it's um it's a really good movie rorschach like i I hated the end my heart broke at the end like and they shot it the music the score the score from the watchmen the little weird little and then the little pieces the movie from the actual like clips like hello darkness my own friend like i still yeah, laugh right. because i think of old school <laughs> like every time i hear that song i was like oh totally. old school with will ferrell was like oh, i got yeah, shot yeah. in the neck with yeah when they show that funeral scene and it's playing you have um jeffrey d morgan as a comedian who's fantastic like I just love, I just love everything. I'm gonna go watch it right now. Matter of fact, after we're yeah. done, I have it on 4K. Well, yeah, the and the beginning um, with what is this? Is it the John Denver song? Uh-huh. Or, yes, or, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. was so beautiful. The montage. Oh yeah, the montage yeah. at the beginning, absolutely. Like all the little cool things. Yeah. So was that way? Was that your your three? That's was my Watchmen? number three. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, 2009. Alrighty. Zack Snyder's Watchmen, his first endeavor into the DC for yeah. better or worse. Some people yeah, split. it's very Snyder-ish. I, I did, I did like that. I admit. It is a good film. There are many films that I will objectively say are good. I think some parts are a little over the top. I thought the handles Messiah scene. Like, hey, come on, Zach, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but otherwise, um, it's, so it's good. But it's not something that I would is a favorite. Is just like that. I it it is very dark and grim. Yes. And so for yeah. that's why that or like Joker are not ones. That oh like yeah. Will be favorites for me. Because I have to have, there could be dark elements to it, but it has to be a little bit more uplifting for yeah. to be a favorite one that I would enjoy over and over. Um, though what I, the one I put at my three, it was just dark, but it's not like really grim like those films. Would be the '89 uh, Batman film, okay, by Tim Burton. Yeah, uh, and so I like that because once again, I love period pieces, and mm-hmm. that is, and I loved Batman. One reason I like that is because I like Batman the animated series from, you know, from like the early, the mid '90s. And Batman the Animated Series, its setting is weird because it's like 1930s New York kind of. You can't tell, like it's futuristic. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's supposed to be like 1930s, but they have like futuristic technology and video screens. So it's it's a mix of the two. But I liked the period piece of like that kind of 1930s, 40s Gotham style, if you will, in the Burton film. Uh, and so I liked really I like those stylized elements to it. Uh, I thought Michael Keaton 
does a really good Batman. I think he does. I'm Batman. Like he's not over the top about it. Uh, he also he also does a good Bruce Wayne, and and we see that now his ability to maintain alter egos. Like when you watch Spider-Man: Homecoming, he does uh -huh. a great job as Vulture. Oh yeah. So you know he does a good job playing those kinds of alter egos against each other. And so overall, I think Jack Nicholson makes for a really fun and good Joker. Like coming off the um, who's the guy that did it in the '60s? Cesar Cesar Romero. Yeah, Romero. Cesar Romero. Romero. Yeah. Um, like a more menacing Cesar Romero is basically kind of what he what he does. Like honestly, I've wanted to make a list of my top five superhero entrances you know like like for example like when thor shows up in infinity war that's like mm. maybe even number one or two it's just amazing dun, but one dun, of my top dun, five dun, is dun. Yeah. yeah he just shows up and it's just awesome but one of my favorite yeah but one of my top five is going to be in the tim burton 89 film when vicky lane vicky lake what's her name again vicky lake i think vicky vale uh vicky vale vicky vale yeah. that's right vicky vale is at the art museum with joker and uh, he comes in, gasses everyone, messes up the place. And he, he goes, boo! And like he scares her because she threw the water on his face and his face melts, yeah. the makeup melts off. And then you hear the music, da -da -da, da -da 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 -da, and he crashes through the oh, ceiling, yeah. points the grappling hook at Joker, hang on. And then they just <laughs> zoom away. Yeah. Now, now it looks sort of silly, flying the <laughs> goons are trying to, to grab him. But with the Danny Elfman theme and with all of that there and just the way he does the line, I still enjoy it after all of these years. So wow. I'll put Batman 89 as my number three. Well, it's your old pal, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Jack Nicholson totally. is so great. You want to get nuts? He's Let's good. get nuts. Like That's what I Michael mean. He's kind of, he, he shows he's kind of crazy. And <laughs> yeah. to be Batman, you have to be a little crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The only thing I didn't like is like, I guess now, cause we're spoiled by Helmsworth and uh, or, uh, Chris Evans and all the people. And, and of course, uh, Ben Affleck, but like, his physique was not that of, of like Bruce Wayne. Like Ben, ben I think has the oh, closest sure. you physique. Have to, yeah, you have to. And I like Batfleck. You know, I, yeah. I do like the Ben Affleck Batman. I just didn't like how he was written into a lot of the previous films. That's why they haven't um, made the list. So yeah, but no, it's it, it very much a classic Michael Keaton. But like my number two is again, I think I think you mentioned something like this. So again, another controversial one, which I think, in my opinion, out of the live action DC, all of them, this is probably one of the most, to me, obviously, underrated film. And it's 2013's Man of Steel. I, I think it's oh, almost wow. a masterpiece. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of to me, it's a masterpiece because like, it's really, um, it's not really almost a comic book movie. It's like an alien first contact movie. Very yes. sci-fi. And and I'll give you this, a man of steel. It would still be close up in my list. It's one of the better of the, the DCEU films. I appreciate man of steel because it's the very first time we ever saw Superman unleash mm. his full power in a live action film. Um, it's the first time we like, saw kryptonians like when they fight like even when superman is thrown into the train yard and all the trains just like crumple oh yeah it's it's just like like it's little things like that like i like i did not care for the battle the battle for metropolis uh that it was more the battle over smallville where it's it's a bit smaller in good. scale that you see the power of the punches from these people and the ineffectiveness of human weapons against them. Uh, so that I will give the movie credit yeah. in there. If fi Superman finally 
got to really show more of his power because we have better effects and and technology oh, yeah. now. I love the fighting and especially the opening of Krypton was so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I was like, man, I want I want them to do a whole movie in Krypton. And of course, you know, um Russell Crowe just amazing job as as his, his dad. And it's like General Zod, like one of the I think he's one of the best villains. One of the best villains. He's so menacing. You understand why he's doing what he's doing. He really believes what in what he's doing, but yeah, yeah. also too the flaws of of Henry Cavill. Like he's not yet Superman. He makes a lot right. of mistakes. Like yeah. it's it's kind of like I love I love that one scene with of course played by Kevin Costner. Great casting. I love that Father Kent. Yeah. Like oh my goodness, like Jonathan Kent. Like it's just so amazing. But his dad when he's like he saves the bus. Remember and he's like. uh superman or, or clark Kent as a little kid he's like what 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 should i have done should i let them die and then maybe maybe <laughs> okay <yeah>. you, okay <laughs> you maniac but i mean yeah I, I see the point that he's, he's trying to he's trying to make there but um i'll say my thoughts i will tell you one thing though so here's an interesting man of steel will still be up there high i wasn't i don't like the battle of metropolis because i feel like it's a bit too much cgi and destruction that's kind of overstated uh a lot of deaths deaths. (laughs) yeah that that people uh, you don't need superman and lois making out where like millions of people probably at least hundreds of thousands would have been killed yeah superman help us he's like not now (laughs) thousands would have been killed been trapped in the rubble but i will say this i appreciate having that battle of metropolis and man of steel because it leads to my one of my favorite DC scenes uh-huh. is in Batman v Superman. Now, I really don't like Batman v Superman. It's not a good film. I Even the extended. Even have you the seen extended. the extended? I, I have not seen it, but I, I can't imagine. There's so much I don't like <laughs> about that film. But I will say this: I love the opening scene. I love the opening scene where it shows the battle over Metropolis from Batman's perspective. Now, I love that scene because i love when you can show ben affleck does a great job of of being batman without the suit yeah that you see him he is act in that scene he is doing exactly what batman would do without his suit runs batman is not not a suit so he you know he runs in there he drives through he avoids the hazards and he just dashes in and you could see his utter contempt yeah for superman and the reason why he would want to have a contingency plan to deal with a Kryptonian sense, seeing yeah. all, all the devastation, but just seeing him be Batman without the suit dealing with all this chaos. Now they could have handled it better. Like the guy he's going to the Wayne tower. He's like, Jack, get out of there. I'm like, just call him Lucius yeah. Fox. Who the yeah. heck is Jack? Just call him Lucius <laughs> yeah. Fox or something like that. Like tie that together better. But um, so I appreciate man of steel for setting that up from what is my favorite scene. Not enough though to lift the movies higher for me. So that's your, uh, what was your number two? That was not your number. Was- oh yeah. So, Here's what's funny. So your number two is Man of Steel. My yeah. number two is Superman Two: The Donner Cut. Oh, okay. the Donner so my Cut. My number two. Yeah. My number two is another Superman film. Yeah, but but I still as yeah. much as I like a lot of the things in Man of Steel, Christopher Reeve will always be Superman to me. That he just embodies the hopefulness. Like when I say, "Who is Superman?" Superman is the big blue Boy Scout. Henry Cavill is not the big blue boy scout. No, uh, no. you know, however they, however they recast things. He just oh, seems, yeah. <laughs> he seems awkward about it, what he tries to do. But Christopher Reeve is like a big blue boy scout. Yeah. And he, he just does it very well in those films. And the Donner cut does a good job of getting away of this kind of the stupid comedy from uh, Lester's cut of Superman two, 
There's more Marlon Brando in it. Zod is more menacing. Yeah, Zod's the good. dynamic between Lois and Clark makes more sense to explain why he would give up his powers. I think it's one of the most humanized portraits of Superman and showing that you can do a really good Superman film. So I'm going to put Superman 2, Donner Cut. Um, that would be uh, my number two. Obviously, it's hampered. You know, we, we don't have as, you know, modern technology. But if anything, that helps it to keep it from becoming spectacle. But it's got so many great lines you know, to it. Kneel before Zod. Oh, yeah. Like, I believe that uh, General Zod still is more menacing from the original Superman. Versus, although he does do a good job in the, the man in Man of Steel. I, I still think he's a great villain from the original one. And I'm torn. It's like, I love the... I, well, I, I think, no, the, the Richard Donner Superman theme, the John Williams, I think it's the oh, best, but man. You know what's funny? It is like, try to do, it's like you try to think of the Superman theme and the Indiana Jones theme, and it's like they're almost identical when you try to yeah. do it. Dun, 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 dun. Like, what's Indiana Jones? Dun, 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 dun. Like, oh, yeah. just like one, you're like one beat off. So John Williams, I think one of the greatest great. composers. It's, and he's still yeah. at it. He's still, he's like 91, he's and he's still he's still composing still performing but man of steel like the the theme i love it too like it's if you can't have of course the dun 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 dun, you can't have that oh it's it's great that is super to me that's the superman theme and the 89 elfman elfman that is the batman theme yeah for the animated series because it's not the same it's not the same, but they did base it off of that. Like it's very, yeah. you listen to the animated in the nineties and then you listen to Danny Elfman. It, it's very, the, the tones clearly from that, you know, they have the, totally. the definitely, Absolutely. but man of steel. Like I really, I, I'll listen to the score sometimes. Like I like listening to scores. So Hans yeah. Zimmer is like, uh, like, I, like dark Knight rises might be um, my yeah. favorite trilogy, the score of the trilogy. Yeah. Like it's so like the undertone throughout the whole movie of the Dark Knight yeah, Rises, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. the Hans Zimmer. I loved it. So I guess that's our number one. Our number one. I, I'm guessing it's going to be the same. I'm, I'm, Let's see. I'm going to I'm going to take a wild guess. Just throwing it out there. Mine is, uh, of course, the 2008 Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's still right? got to be yours? like that. I mean, that was. Yeah. Now, here's what's interesting about the Dark Knight. And I think why it works the Dark Knight is not a superhero film. The Dark Knight is a is a crime noir, noir yeah. thriller. It is yeah. a good example of noir. Uh, so of, of those films that you would do from like the 1940s and 50s with the detective in the the blind, you know, the shadows in his office with the blinds closed and trying to figure out the the mystery and what's involved. You know, it's so it's a really a crime thriller. And you have just like the Jokers, and it's it's a good juxtaposition of batman's sense of order and justice yeah. with joker being a chaotic villain that it's about order versus chaos uh and so those elements all put together uh i, I think it makes for a very engaging and gripping film that is dark uh but not so overboding and dark that you you know you feel just like awful after after watching it uh so it's it's good the, my only complaints would be just like christian bale could work on his batman voice a little bit but otherwise uh i think that it's it and here's what's nice about it because batman begins is a weird hybrid of trying to be like origin story crime thriller yeah but it's but it's weird that like the setting it all it feels almost like you're trying to overhaul like they did batman begins it feels like they're trying to bring a little bit of the tim burton gotham back yeah uh of kind of that older 
I don't know how to, how to just diesel, almost diesel punk quality of the older Burton films. And it all didn't mash as well together where it's trying to be, the first half is like realistic. He goes to Mongolia and it's supposed to be modern age. And then Gotham feels kind of weird. Whereas yeah. I think Dark Knight, they're like, no, this is basically just modern day Chicago. Yeah. Modern day Chicago, it's corrupt, it's crooked. What would Batman do with this? I'm like, yeah, and it, and it all and it all works. Yeah, I think like, funny that you say that too, because I think one of the influences for the Batman Begins was Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. The director Christopher Nolan was like, look, the Blade Runner is an influence. Had 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 his film. Yeah, and that's, watch and that's it, cyber, and and that's cyberpunk. So <laughs> yeah. that's why I felt like I almost said diesel punk because it some of it like with the fight on the elevated yeah, train and all of and, that. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me more of like the diesel punk genre. But you're right, it does feel cyberpunk, like a watered down yeah. cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah, everything is lights, but it's all grimy and dirty, but then futuristic and, and yeah. <laughs> that's Quasi very much... futuristic y, which has made it confusing uh -huh. to me. Whereas I like that Dark Knight is just no, it's just a modern crime noir yeah. thriller. It, it almost feels like it's a different movie, The Batman Begins versus Rises and The Dark Knight. And I mean, beautifully shot. Like I also think Dark Knight Rises has beautiful shots and stuff, but like the Dark Knight, that one shot after the rubble. Where Batman is like this, it's many posters too. He's just standing, oh, and there's yeah, like a blue hue, and he's just yeah. standing there in, in the Harvey Dent coin. Like the shots are just amazing, and the cinematography in there, I really love it. The way it holds yeah. on certain angles, the whole China when he breaks into the the window, and he's like on top of the building and flies, like it's awesome. Like I saw that it is pretty cool. Yeah, in IMAX. Did you see that in IMAX? That the movie. Oh, I don't think I saw it in IMAX, but I mean, I, I saw it in films for sure, in theaters for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. I saw it in theaters and I was like, oh man, this is like, is there another perfect movie? Like, I don't know if it'll ever get beat. Like, I thought, you know, oh, maybe the Batman will come close. And I love the Batman, you know, the new one, Rob Pattinson. But I was like, nah, Dark Knight, it's it's still there. Uh, there's so much big set pieces, the, yeah. the, the car chase. Right, it's so funny when yeah, he's, like, he's gonna great. need something bigger, and then the Joker like keeps bringing up something. Yeah, come oh, on, come on, hit me, hit me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's so, and, and I remember reading about Heath Ledger is he used to take this like journal and he used to write in the journal like he's the Joker, like really get into character, and he even frightened uh, Michael Caine, who like I mean, this is Michael Caine. He served in the British Army. He's been around for a long time. And Michael Caine, Michael Caine, and Michael Caine like said that even when he saw Heath Ledger in in the makeup, full Joker, all the aesthetics, like he actually got scared. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's a tangerine, Michael Caine, and that's my Michael Caine just saying his name over. That's it. That's all. I got. Well, yeah, my it's it's you to say that in his. You have to say my cocaine. So my cocaine. <laughs> yeah michael kane yeah. <laughs> what is so awesome i did too it's like um uh christian bell he slimmed down a little bit for for uh um the dark knight but he's yeah. still fit like he wasn't as big as he was in, in batman begins but he's still yeah. muscular and in totally. very much athletic and this movie it's just so amazing it was even that that scene with the i mean might be one of the famous scenes as well there's so many but the interrogation in the police station that's yeah, a great it's a great face-off yeah yeah when he shows up there there's a good psychological face-off between them allusions to um the killing joke there's a scene in the yes. beginning of the comic book that he goes in and like jokers in a shadow and they're both sitting across from each other in interrogation so i like that it was in, especially the long halloween 
especially that yeah. there's even that one scene in the comic book where Harvey Dent before Two-Face he's with Commissioner Gordon and Batman and there are three on the rooftop talking and that's literally just they just used the same thing too in the Dark Knight so that's my number one wow yeah, so yeah. Uh, I guess uh, if you can go through your list again one more time to recap, I'll, I'll recap mine. So yeah. again, there must be, there's a lot of controversial ones, but my number five favorite DC live action is number five, The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, perhaps you was wondering why you would shoot a man before throwing them out of the plane. It had to have one more. It had to be like one more Bane. One, one more totally. Bane talk. Number four, The Batman 2022s with Bobby Pat. Number three, 2009's The Watchmen. My number two, Man of Steel, 2013. And my number one, of course, 2008's The Dark Knight. What's yours, Trenthorn? Yeah, and you know what? That's so funny because mine has the lighter it has the lighter elements to uh-huh. it. And this is not me saying like necessarily what's best. I'm just saying what are my favorites. Yeah. And so my favorites are uh, number five is Shazam. Number four is Wonder Woman. Number three is the 89 Batman Burton. Uh, directed number two, Superman two, the Richard Donner cut, yes. not original Superman two, the Donner <laughs> cut, and number one, uh, the Dark Knight. So I think it's interesting. I'm only, I think I'm only like two years older than you, but I think that I, I still, I don't know. I, I, I maybe I'm connected a little bit more to that geriatric um, <laughs> millennial base. We might have just the slight <laughs> yeah. generational gap between us for you to favor <laughs> some of the more uh, recent films, perhaps. Yeah. All right, man. So that was fun, the DC. But yeah, I want to turn it to a little bit of apologetics because I can't have, like, in my opinion, one of the one of the the greatest sure, right future Hall of Famer, I guess, if you were Jersey would be retired. Well, I'm, I'm trying. One of the future yeah. Hall of Famers, but marriage. That's been a big topic with the the yeah. um, redefining, you know, the so-called same-sex marriage act and the stuff that's going on in, in our politics. It's like, first, how do you talk to somebody like that in conversation? Because I think abortion, there's certain things people could defend. But if you say, well, what's uh, love is love, right? You hear like, well, yeah. uh, what does it matter? What is marriage? Marriage is a construct, we can do whatever we want. I guess we start off with like, what is marriage? Like, exactly. Is and, and that's when you have to ask, well, why do we even have marriage? Why is it the government's business yes. to regulate our private relationships? Why? You answer that question first, and then I'll tell answer any of your questions. Because if you can't explain why we even have this at all, then you're not in a position to say that my definition is a bad one, that everyone comes to the plate with a definition of what marriage is, and also with a reason for why government uh, is imposing upon us. So thing like, you know, what, what other relationships do we need the government's permission to start them, and more importantly, to end them? Right. I mean, imagine if you had to like go down to City Hall to file to not have a friend anymore (laughs) or to not even like visit an adult relative or to stop dating somebody or to stop, you know, going over to a work, a workout buddy's house or whatever. It's not the government's role to regulate private relationships. So if marriage is just about affirming adults, if it's about affirming adult sexual love, why? Who cares? But if it is about, primarily about men, women, and children. The point of marriage is to secure the relationship that exists so that before children come into existence, you have a man and a woman bonded to one another. So that the goal, the problem is nowadays, marriage is seen as a way to maximize personal liberty. It's like, well, I want to do this and I want benefits and I want people to celebrate me. And it's about maximizing liberty. When I don't mean to be cynical, but honestly, 
marriage, the purpose of the institution of marriage is not liberty. It is to give up liberty. It is to keep you mm. from doing things. Yeah. Every society on earth came up with marriage because they realize it's a bad idea if guys run around and impregnate a ton of women. It's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. It's just not good. And then children come into existence. Children should be able to have their mother and father in their lives. They have a right to them. The only thing that could secure that right for them would be something that unites a man and woman to one another in a lifelong union. So it's about giving up liberty. It's giving up your ability to just engage in sexual relations with whoever you want or giving up your ability to um, no longer be, be with this other person. It's supposed to bond you two together, whether you like it or not, for the benefit of any children that may proceed from your union or even just for the benefit of society for people to see that marriage is a stable union that is the foundation of society. It's something that God created, but he wrote it into our very being. That's why every culture on earth has come up with it. So I think that's that's kind of the route we have to take always is to ask the other people, well, okay, well, what is marriage for? And yeah, that's a good point. It's because like, there is no business in relationships, like you said, like, oh, I don't want to um, be in this family no more, or I don't want to be friends with this person, or I no longer want to do this with this person or date again, that's a good point, like dating, like, because some people would say like, oh, marriage is almost now like just like dating with a fancy title. But if we don't go to the government to say, I'm not dating this person no more, like, what is That's it right. different about marriage? It's a particular thing. Right. And I think That's also, right. too, what if people are like, oh, well, uh, you're being uh, you're discriminating because like I was born like that or someone like, well, how can you you know, people are born sexually attracted to the same sex you know and they're like well right they're born like god made them like that you know you've heard that right well god made me like sure. this so why are you trying to stop me from well, getting pe married people but people are born with all kinds of attractions first of mm. all what i would say here is that uh regardless of what attractions a person may have uh you can secure the goods of marriage uh without being married you can have friendships companions uh, even living together with other people. People have roommates all the time. Uh, obviously, you shouldn't engage in sexual immorality, but marriage is not for the individual per se, though it does benefit the individual. Marriage is for the good of society itself. And I would say also, look, men are born with the desire to be sexually attracted to multiple women, but it doesn't follow they should be married to multiple women. And there, I mean, there have been many cultures that have promoted polygamy. Although honestly, polygamy is at least closer to marriage than same-sex unions. At least a polygamous marriage is a union of a man and a woman. It's just the fact that the man is also united to other women, which does become disordered. But at least it's somewhat closer to marriage than just two people whose sexual behavior is not ordered towards the creation of a new, new person at all. Yeah. And you hear that, like you see that too. It's kind of like, well, um, they try to tie it to like with the so-called same-sex marriage bill. Like, what is it? A respect for marriage? I was like, wow, that's the, like the biggest euphemism. Like, that's like a contradiction. But in the the, right. the respect for marriage bill that they push through, it's they tied it. You notice they tied it mm -hmm. to um, interracial marriage. So, like, what if someone says it's the same thing? If you don't want a, a man and a man to get married or a woman and a woman to get married, that is the same exact thing as African-American and, and uh, um, any other race. That's the same thing. What would you say to them? 
Well, what I would say is give me your definition of marriage and you'll see that that's wrong. Uh, that interracial marriage, here's the problem with that. Interracial marriage was directly contrary to the goal. The goal of marriage is to bring men and women together into a one flesh union. So interracial, so bans on interracial marriage were wrong because they kept men and women apart who are naturally ordered to marriage. But so-called same-sex marriage does not bring men and women together at all. So it's completely different in that respect. And I would say to them, look, you agree that some things people call marriage are not marriage. You might have to pick a wacky example, but you probably don't want to have polygamous marriage, uh, group marriages. You probably don't want uh, there are people who marry themselves there are people who <laughs> yeah. try to marry in at who try to marry inanimate objects oh yeah i would say look you aren't going to call this marriage so therefore you're still go so if the only argument is well it's the same thing because you're telling someone they can't marry a person just because it was immoral to deny a marriage request from some people like interracial couples, it doesn't follow that it's immoral to deny any marriage request because this could be, it could be absurd or it could not even be marriage at all. Yeah, no, that's really great. Great, great stuff. That's why you're the best, Trent. But also I'm too, you're here. <laughs> no, you really are. But there's also people that would say this, that would be like, okay, fine, Trent. Fine, fine. I, I agree with all you said, you know, you're right, all that stuff. But this is America. It's we're freedom. Uh, why, uh, even if you're right, what you do in Texas, why is that any bearing on your relationship in uh, California or New York? Well, Just let here's them what do I, it. Sure. Then I would say here that if you're talking about uh, freedom, then why is marriage? Let, let me ask this. Can a adult man and, uh, and his father get married because they have a platonic love? And he wants his dad to live with him and be on his health insurance and take care of <laughs> That's him. Weird, yeah. Well, why not? Why? I mean, there's <laughs> lots of people who end up, they don't get married. They live with family members for the rest of their lives uh -huh. and they love each other. Is their love not as good as love that includes sexual acts or sexual behavior? Why isn't it as good? Why can two elderly women who are not related get married, but two elderly sisters who only have each other, they can't get married. I'm uh, sorry, two elderly women who identify as lesbians can get married, but two elderly sisters can't, even if they only have each other in life. So I would say to them, fine, let me push you even further. Freedom for everybody. Like, I would be fine even if you said, look, we're going to have civil unions, and they're for any number of people for any reason. You want to make a household? Fine. Anybody can do that. Why, why? But marriage is restricted to those unions ordered towards the creation of new human life. It doesn't mean you have to be fertile. It just has to mean that you're the kind of union ordered towards that particular end. And it's so it's um, so it serves society in that way. Otherwise, what they're trying to do is just saying, oh, well, no, we, we just want to celebrate sex. We want to just marriage is for celebrating sexual love. Why? Why is sexual love such a big freaking deal that we should celebrate it? Who cares what you do with somebody in your bedroom? Well, I'll tell you why sexual love matters. It makes people. It's yeah. the thing that creates new human beings. It's the thing that makes society without sexual love, society would collapse. It would absolutely collapse. You want to know why? Look at the movie Children of Men. Now you have oh, sexual love, movie. of course. Yeah. You have sexual love, but there's a weird thing in Children of Men where there's widespread infertility. Nobody's yeah. able to have babies. And of course, what happens? Society collapses if 
everybody is not if human beings can't reproduce that's the end of society so sexual love is important because it is a necessary condition for society to continue on that's but obviously that kind of that doesn't apply to same sex relationships uh so that so i would i probably put it that way if i was engaging someone yeah and i think that ties to like sex right because some people will be like oh well who cares it's sex is just uh, recreational it's just a pleasure you don't have to have babies it's just sex right so it's kind of there's a little bit of tying in between that i guess also knowing like what is sex for and all that stuff right that's right yeah yeah oh my goodness well trend horn i can't thank you enough like you've been great on the podcast it was good to talk apologetics it was good to geek out on dc movies um hopefully somebody will get those lists and watch them like that's cool and it, it got me thinking about like yeah you know what i'm, I'm probably gonna watch this movie again maybe it'll, it'll get higher maybe it'll get lower i don't know but yeah you this never was know. so great right yeah you never know it's so great to have you on trend horn like it's so amazing all the work you're doing like you've been debate uh you've debated james white alex o'connor like do, the, some of the, the best uh, pro-choice guys, philosophers out there. Um, any debates? What's going on? You plug in before we well, end. Well, I have, I have a debate. Sure. March 2nd, I believe. I have a debate on Pints of the Aquinas with Gavin Ortland on Sola Scriptura. So I'm definitely looking That's forward good. to that. And then another book coming out, When Protestants Argue Like Atheists, should be out this spring, as well as the second edition of my book, Persuasive Pro-Life. Awesome. Where else can people find you, too? Uh, they can go to the Council of Trent podcast and they can support that at trenthornpodcast.com. Yeah. And with, again, we'll see you on Catholic Answers coming in. We had we had Pat Flynn a few times on and, and uh, he has like his setup and he has like a cool comic book stuff. And I see you're wearing the yeah, shirt yeah. and stuff. Like that. So I was oh, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll <laughs> yeah. So, again, faith, reason and geekdom. Uh, please, you know, rate us on on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts. Share us yeah. with your friends. I'm Roger, and that is the great, the great and wonderful Trent Horn. Thank you guys for listening. God bless. God love you. 